DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. DJ and PK brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Steve, good morning. Good morning. How fast is basketball morphing right in front of our eyes? The strategy, the shots that used to be bad shots that are now good shots, guys' ability to make even those shots at an impressive rate, it seems like, it seems like everything's changing quickly. Well, I, I think the game is changing. I mean, you start looking at the spacing of the game and you, you go back 20, 25 years ago and everything went through the low post and then and, and it was inside out. And today in 2020, it's about high ball screens and penetration and one, two, three, always the extra pass. And guys that have grown up culturally in this game to shoot the three and it doesn't matter if they're six eleven or there's six foot uh certainly the the game is changing right before our eyes and we're seeing it in huge doses i mean i, I don't think we've ever watched so much basketball in in so little of time and so we're, we're getting exposed to the game in, in a way that we've never been exposed to it where you can watch three or four or five games in one day and to be honest with you, everybody's kind of playing the same way now with different personnel and different results. But uh, watching uh, watching that the two Jazz games the last two days and watching them knock 32 threes down and spacing the floor and and not being able to really focus on one guy. And I think that's the key to the Jazz right now. That with uh, certainly Donovan Mitchell is doing incredible things, um, but Conley comes back to the bubble. And goes off, and, uh, and 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 certainly Clarkson uh, is is the third cog in that. You got three guys that can bounce it and shoot it, and space, and and then a big like Gobert, and they're setting so many high ball screens, whether it's from the the wing or the top of the key, really hard to guard. And as long as they keep making shots like that, they're going to be really really tough to beat. Uh, and that being said, it was a heck of a game. I mean, Denver had opportunities that. They do it a little bit differently with Jokic, but uh, at the end of the day, it was still Murray knocking down threes from everywhere. So it's fun to watch. So how much are you buying my theory as far as Conley goes that he's actually benefiting from the loss of Bogdanovich because it's taken any second guessing and any thinking out of it, and it's just Mike Conley playing ball because there's no need to overthink it. Just go out and play, Mike. Well, I think there's some truth to that, to be honest with you. I mean, I think they'd, if they had the choice, they'd like to have Bogdanovich back, you know. Uh, but that being said, you have two really crafty, can bounce it, creative guards. And, and that's, that's difficult to do. I mean, you know, most teams, you look at a team and you go, okay, they've got a couple of good shooters or they've got a real dominant inside player. But when you have three really good guards that can bounce it and pass it or unselfish and have really high basketball IQs, Sometimes you can have too many guys, and I, and I don't think we're getting the same play if Bogdanovich was playing. I don't know where those numbers would be skewed, but I, I know this right now, that Bogdanovich is not a guy that is putting a ball on the floor and creating for others the way Conley and Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson are. And so I think they've got the best jazz team that they could possibly put out, and that, that's crazy because what's happened is you're taking a 20-point guy you know, game away, and you say, well, how can that be? But it's just opened the doors for other people. I mean, Nyang the other night going for 20. Uh, got, you know, it's just you're more confident 
when you know your role and what's expected rather than trying to, uh, you know, create things for other people or move the ball or you're thinking about others where everybody kind of understands the role and when they're going to take shots. And I think that confidence it was really evident in the last two games against Nuggets, but really confident when the game was on the line. And I think guys knowing their roles, understanding that, and which you give a lot of credit to a coaching staff who identifies roles and identifies what good shots are, take those shots, don't get down if you miss. Uh, so, yeah, you, you have a combination of uh, a group of guys right there that play so well together, and they're all very similar, and they're, they can really attack. I mean, Clarkson and Donovan probably attack it more. Conley's more of a perimeter guy. Conley is, you know, I don't know his exact age, but he's been in the league for a long time, and he's not going to force things. <clears throat> so they have a maturity there. Even though you've got uh, a very young Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson and, and Conley have been around a long time, and uh, it's just a perfect combination for me. And that being said, I mean, it, 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 these games are going to the wire. So uh, it, you know, they've got to keep playing like this, but it's fun to watch. So, you know, once a coach, always a coach. Is there a part of you watching a jazz game that sees Jordan Clarkson and you just start yelling at the TV, no, 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 good shot, good shot. <laughs> There's nobody that's coached long. If you've coached a long time, you, you've said that many times. And uh, I, I don't think right now that, uh, that Jordan, I mean, he has so much confidence in himself. And coming off the bench, he provides a spark. Uh but, yeah, I mean, there are times that that happens. But when things are on a roll and guys have so much confidence, you could, you'd probably end up taking confidence from them. All of a sudden, guys start thinking about a good shot and a bad shot. You know what? You usually let, and at least I did, I always let my best players, there were always going to be two or three shots where I'm going, hey, that wasn't a great shot. That, that wasn't going to necessarily be a game-time situation where I was going to share that. It'd probably be a film situation. I'd just look them in the eye and go, hey, stay with it, stay with it, be positive. Because you, you can't start playing mind games with guys in the middle of a game and all of a sudden they're trying to identify what's a good shot and a bad shot. Now, if there's two or three and they don't go down, then you, know, then you call a timeout and you sub them in and you sit down. But right now they're making those. And if they're believing they can make those, uh, you don't want to take away that kind of confidence because there is a great deal of confidence on this basketball team right now. Any way you can have a simple explanation for this incredible play of Mitchell? Oh, goodness. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously he, he's a talented young man, but he is, he is young. And when you consider uh, two 50-point games, uh, it, it just tells you that uh, he's, al- he's always had the skill and the talent. And usually what stops guys from really uh, achieving, the, you know, the, the getting to the highest level is uh, having some weaknesses in their games offensively. And Donovan Mitchell does not have – a lot of weaknesses. I mean, he's got so much confidence. And I think, I think the other thing too, maybe, you know, they're playing in the same gym every day. <laughs> I mean, they're playing, I mean, they're this bubble games are having, they're very familiar with the surroundings that does help. But as far as Donovan Mitchell is concerned, I think his mindset is so special. He's got so much confidence and his teammates have confidence in him. It's not very often that a 21 year old or 22, 23 year old has an opportunity to be a leader on a team that, I think he's been. This is his third league year in the league, right? Yeah. So I mean, all of a sudden, he's he's not only become the go-to guy, but he's become a leader. He's become a spokesman, and all of that confidence, all of that mental part of the game, 
uh, has a lot to do with that kind of success. I mean, you, you can't be doubting. And I think, I think they got a locker room. I think everybody feels like they have a great locker room. And uh, I watch them interact on the floor. You know, I, I would love to have uh, – I'd love to hear the things that Joe Ingles says to guys on the floor. They're just being close enough because he's always in somebody's ear. He's always talking to them. I think, his, I think Joe Ingles' um, impact on this team is, is not appreciated probably as much because of the statistics. But I think there are a lot of things that he – I see him in Donovan's ear all the time, and it may be real supportive things. It might just be strategy things. I don't know. But I think there's another guy, even though he's not putting numbers up, he's like a coach on the floor. So there's great chemistry on this team. And I think when you get going like this, uh, you know, you just – the basket looks as big as the ocean. And that's what it is for Donovan and Mitch right now. And to be honest with you, uh, it, that's the way it is with Carson and Conley. I mean, but, you again, they're not taking bad shots. They're not forcing – they're not taking a lot of into-the-shot-clock contested shots. Most of their shots are feet ready, coming off a system where Gobert is diving to the rim, and they got to make one more pass. And, and when you put three really good shooters on the floor, it's really hard to guard when you got a, a big man that can take it to the rim. So uh, they're getting good shots. They're running a good system. The ball's going through the hole, and uh, it, it just that that kind of confidence breeds more confidence. And, uh, and and I think it reads more confidence with your teammates. They're, they're really they're very sharing the ball all the time, and it's easier to share the ball when guys are making baskets. And uh, so those those are the things that I see in terms of why he would be having such a special special postseason. But I don't I didn't expect him to have two fifty point games, but I did expect him to have games in you know twenty five to thirty points because he can create not just off the jumpers. He's so crafty. His his mid range jumper now. I mean, it's kind of Chris Polish like. You know, I mean, he can get two steps into the free throw line. Boom, it's money. And and that not a lot of guards have that shot. A lot of them are exclusively three point shooters. <clears throat> a lot of them are just exclusively mid range. Donovan Mitchell's created that now, where he doesn't have to go in and force it against big guys. Once he gets space, and he gets space pretty easily because Donovan Mitchell's diving hard. Everybody gets you know they get deep. And he's always going to have a 15-footer. And Chris Paul kind of did has always done that really well. That's something I never saw Donovan Mitchell do. So for all the superlatives that we can heap on Donovan Mitchell, do you have a couple more to heap on Luka Doncic? Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> you know, I haven't watched him play as much. But, uh, yeah, that was special. And, that, you know, it, it, it's one of those things – I think probably growing up in Europe and playing in Europe and at a young age, uh, he, he's not fearful of anything. You know, I mean, he's a confident player. And you can see the confrontations he has with his own coach. You know, there's some immaturity there that uh, he pouts. And, you know, he, 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 there's times when, you know, he just wants to be on the floor. He has that much confidence in himself. And, he, and the thing is, I mean, you, you don't see a lot of guys. I don't know. Is he 6'9"? I'm not sure how t- exactly he, tall he is. He's listed at 6'7", 230, for what that's worth. Okay, so w- w- the thing about it is he just creates space. And when you shoot the ball as high as he does, it's really hard to contest. And he creates good space. He's got just amazing ball handling skills. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not the guy. I mean, you can't sit there and watch him and not think a little bit about Larry Bird, right? I mean, that, that's what he did. He created space. 
And uh, so to watch him play the game in a really pure sense, uh, it's special. And, uh, and I, you know, I mean, that was a gutsy, gutsy win. I mean, I, and I, I, I know the, the Clippers are struggling and Paul, you know, Paul George is struggling and not having Patrick Beverly. But at the end of the day, this Mavericks team, uh, they, you, you can't underestimate them. And I, I mean, Curry, uh, he's got a little, you know, his brother's had the, the, the limelight his whole life, but he makes big baskets. Hardaway's been making big baskets. So it's not, you know, they just can't focus on, on Donkets. That's the thing, too. I mean, in, in past, when these guys, other guys are scoring, you can throw two guys at him. He's hard to guard one-on-one. He can create space. He's big. He's strong. He can take you inside. And you're not going to block a shot. And uh, so, yeah, I I love watching him play. That, that's that's a really special thing. And the Mavs are making this exciting. I hope that thing goes seven games. It, it's fun to watch. So, for Doc Rivers, you got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George out on the floor, and neither of those guys are defending against Doncic at the end. You got Reggie Jackson. I think I'd rather have the other Reggie Jackson rather than this Reggie Jackson on Doncic in that situation. How do you explain not having either uh, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard on Doncic? Well, it, it surprised me, to be honest with you. And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, in fact, I, I thought, forgetting while I watched the game that it looked like Patrick Beverly, but he wasn't even playing, you know? I thought, okay, maybe they get Beverly, but even Beverly, you know, they can shoot over the top of him. So, and you got to go coming out of a timeout that there's going to be a ball screen set. I mean, that's pretty obvious. And, and so, you know, it, it's one of those things that Paul and that, you know, they both, Paul and Kawhi should have been, been involved in that play. So, yeah, that was really suspect. I mean, he, they got to be looking at scratching their heads and going, well, why did we do that? And take a small guard. I mean, you, you've been better off uh, putting, uh, putting him on a post player and, and just bringing Paul and bringing Kawhi up. So, yeah, I think everybody asked themselves that question, at least contest it. And, you know, Kawhi, both Paul and Kawhi are so long and good. And Kawhi is a really, really – he really contests and he can get up and elevate and get them out of their comfort zone. So – yeah, I think they're going to watch the film and go, wow, we made a mistake there, and, and it cost them the game. I mean, he still had to make an incredible shot. It wasn't like it wasn't contested, but he was contesting it over a smaller player uh, that really didn't disturb his shot in the least. So, yeah, that's something they'll have to look back and watch and go, hey, into game situations, into shot clock situations, let's get one of those two guys on him. Or even Harrell. I mean, anyone. Any one of the three that had size and length. But... Uh, you know, they they needed the three, so you knew that's what they were going to take. Uh, as far as your point about uh, Joe Ingles, I don't know uh, if you saw this, but after the game, Donovan Mitchell sitting in his interview room, and Joe knocked on the uh-huh. door, and then in his most naive tone of voice said, Donovan, you're really good at basketball. <laughs> and as and that was funny, but I thought the yeah. best part was Donovan's reaction. Like he didn't crack up. There's nothing. It's just like Joe must do this kind of stuff all the time because he just went, "Thanks, Joe," and then he just turned back to the camera. Didn't even you know other people are laughing and falling over themselves, and he just he just rolls with it because Joe must be like no. that all the time, and we just don't see it. I'm sure, and I don't know Joe personally, and I've just watched him from afar, but I do know that he knows the game. And he's like having another coach on the floor. And sometimes, you know, I'll watch those games and think, man, he's got, you know, he's, he's, he hasn't shot the ball great, you know, but they're chemistry guys. And I, and I can remember teams 
where I started a guy or played a guy, and, and my, even my players and oftentimes the assistant coaches look at me and go, what, what in the heck are you thinking here? And I'm saying, well, we're, we're better when this guy's on the floor with this group. And at that, you know, and it's not for every situation and every circumstance, but I believe uh, that the chemistry piece on a team, the leadership piece on a team, it's not easy to be a leader and the leading scorer all the time. You know, there's a very few Michael Jordans and Larry Birds. and I mean, there are very few of those people. And Donovan's still a young guy. And, 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 and Joe can take the responsibility of, of leadership, and certainly so can Conley. And, you know, he's a guy that's been in the league a long time, but he's still kind of new to the team. Joe's been there from the get-go. And so I, I do believe that the, uh, the chemistry issues, the cultural things that they do, that Joe does to increase confidence and to make the extra pass and to say the right thing and talk to a guy at a free-throw line, all of those things, that's like having a coach on the floor. So you don't always have your five most talented guys on the team. Oftentimes, and, and let's face it, I mean, there's nice Joe Ingles will score 15 or 18 points, but he understands the system. He has a, a sense of humor. And I'm telling you right now, having a sense of humor in any vocation, but in, in this college game, uh, it, it relaxes people. And you can get guys to relax and not be stressed and overthinking things. And I don't have any idea of the things that Joe's been saying, but I've played, enough, I've played on enough teams with enough coaches and, and coached enough teams that guys like Joe Ingles are invaluable. And, and it may not be always to make a basket. It may just his, be his maturity and his presence, his sense of humor, uh, his ability to relax guys and get them not to be stressed and feel pressured, all of the bugs. And, uh, and it's not going to happen necessarily in every game or all of those things. But I think uh, he's an extension. Joe's an extension of that coaching staff. I wa- I do wa- I've watched enough jazz games to see him in the ear of a lot of guys. And I don't think he's berating him. I don't think he's getting into him, telling him, hey, you know, that was a bad shot, though he may, he may do that at times. But I think he's, he's lifting his team uh, in, in a way that only a, a guy that's been in the league a long time and has his character traits. Steve, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome, guys. Have a great week. Steve Cleveland checking in with us every week right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Dan Feldman covers the NBA for NBC Sports and Pro Basketball Talk. He's going to join us next right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net! Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz are up three games to one after beating the Nuggets 129-127. Donovan Mitchell, 51 points, outdueling Jamal Murray, who had 50 points. First time in NBA playoff history the two opposing players each scored 50 points in a playoff game. It's only the sixth time it's happened in NBA history. Jazz will look to close the series out tomorrow, 4.30 on TNT and AT&T Sportsnet. It'll be Game 5 in the bubble. Luka Doncic, game winner, has the Mavericks and Clippers all knotted up at two games apiece. They'll play their Game 5 tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Celtics sweep the Sixers with a 110-106 win. Raptors sweep the Nets with a 150-122 win. Thursday, the Celtics and Raptors will open round two. Lakers and Blazers tonight, 7 o'clock on TNT. Rockets and Thunder at 2 o'clock today. 
That's your back to basketball update, and it is presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. You're seeing the Big 12, you're seeing the SEC and the ACC saying, you know, we can do this. And I know we're going to have some tenuous moments when students come back to campus, but I really think that there is a certain level of commitment by these conferences to say, we're going to give this a shot. And we're going to hope our players make good decisions, do the right thing, and can self-govern themselves. The Conference USA just announced that they're going to try to test three times per week their players, which would put them right up there with with one of the strictest in the country and they're going to do everything they can to play football this fall and if it works and they go and they knock it out of the park and they're able to play games and keep the positives to a minimum i think you're going to see the pac-12 and the big 10 have a lot of egg on their face hanson scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network DJ and PK, it is time to talk playoff basketball with Dan Feldman. Covers the NBA for NBC Sports and Pro Basketball Talk. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Dan, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. Dan, you are stealing money watching Luka Doncic and Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. Do you feel bad about that? <laughs> no, not in the slightest. It's a it's a blast to watch them. Uh, you know, I know where I'm talking. Donovan Mitchell, especially, is uh, is the the cream of that young crop. Yeah, right now, I mean, there's so many young guys who are playing really, really well. We had Kenny Smith on the other day, and he was talking about one of the reasons he thought these younger guys have advanced their game is because he believes that, in the case of Donovan Mitchell, the layoff was akin to a summer break, an offseason. So he looks at it like Donovan is now is in his fourth year. Uh, somebody like Doncic would be in his third year because they had that time during the quarantine and the shutdown to improve, if not physically, but certainly mentally, probably a combination of both. How much you would buy, buy that the break actually advanced their games? Uh, that strikes me as the uh, the type of thing that people say to come up with the reason after the fact, right? Like, I, I don't remember all these people saying beforehand, before seeing the results, you know, yeah, this break, like these players are all going to advance, like I'm sure of it. You see the results and you come up with a narrative after. You know, there are players in that age range uh, who aren't playing their best right now. That goes both ways. You know, I, I do think in Donovan Mitchell's case specifically, I don't know how much it's the break, as maybe he would have been in a similar point anyway, but he has really advanced from prior postseasons. His ability to read a defense, see what's going on, uh, get to all the way to the basket or shoot a jumper or pass, like he is making the right play over and over. Uh, and he's probably even better equipped to make that play once he diagnoses what the right thing to do is. Uh, but I think he might have been ready for this if the playoffs started on time. So I've heard one theory. I've had this presented to me. I'm curious if you buy off on it, that the Jazz uh, lost games on purpose to match up with the Nuggets, knowing that the Nuggets defensively just aren't going to provide the challenge that Houston does when they're switching everything. And that this is what the Jazz do to teams that play like this. It's not the first time that they're on the verge of winning a playoff series. You know, they beat the Clippers and they beat the Thunder uh, two and three years ago. And if they run into Houston again or the Clippers in the next round, will it be any different? Uh 
you know, I, I think there might be something to that, but let's just start with this. I think the Rockets are better than the Nuggets. Like, we can talk about styles and matchups, but the Rockets are just better, so I'd rather face the less good team in Denver. And that's especially true, both in terms of team quality and with the matchups, because uh, the Nuggets are without Gary Harris, they're without Will Barton, losing those two wings. I mean, that's big. Everybody recognizes Gary Harris as a good defender. Will Barton was having a pretty good defensive season. Uh, and so to not have either of them, the Jazz just have too many playmakers, too many offensive weapons uh, for Denver to keep up with. Uh, Nikola Jokic, flawed defender. Jamal Murray, flawed defender. And it's just easier to get those two involved over and over when there's not Gary Harris or Will Barton to cover for them. Uh, and, and so there's something to that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think there would be problems uh, in the next round, uh, assuming the Jazz get that far. Uh, because, number one, you're going to run into a better team. It's not just the style, it's just a better team. But, yeah, I think you're on to something with the style, too. How much concern do you have with the Clippers? Uh, with Dallas or with a potential yeah. Jazz matchup? Uh, uh, with so Dallas. I'm, I'm, the, the Mavericks look good. I mean, Luka Doncic is, uh, is a star. Uh, he is great. He is ready for this moment. It's so weird because it seemed like he was overwhelmed when the series started. He had like five turnovers in the first few minutes. He is not overwhelmed anymore. It's incredible. Uh, the Mavericks have good depth. And the Clippers are struggling to, to find something right now. Like, you know, they, they've got players still working their way into shape. Uh, they've got players injured. They're not as deep as, you know, they were expected to be coming in. I still think the Clippers win that series, but they should have some concern. Why do you switch a smaller defender onto Luka Doncic at the end of the game? <laughs> you had Kawhi Leonard on him for a half second there. Why not just stay on him? Honestly, if you double him in 3.7 seconds and they get an open shot, that almost feels like a better possibility. I'm with you, and I'll go one more. Why is Reggie Jackson in the game? Why, why do you have him there? Like, if you want to switch in that situation, if, you're, if you think you, know, you don't want to give an inch of space to anybody, okay, I get that. There might be something to that. But then why is Reggie Jackson in the game? That just opens up that possibility. Like, Reggie Jackson brings some things, right? He can handle the ball. He can shoot some. Uh, he can be that lead guard. Those are all offensive things. Defensively, get, get somebody else in there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't understand it to, uh, on that regard. It's hard to argue there uh, that it was justification. How much do you think this shooting slump is in Paul George's mind? You know, it's funny. He put out that uh, Instagram post the other day saying, I, you know, I don't care what my critics think. Like, you know, uh, whatever. Like, you know, you're so concerned about my shooting. I'm not concerned about you. Who puts out an Instagram post saying how not concerned you are about somebody else if you're not actually concerned about them? I do think, I don't know if it was in his mind to start. Sometimes we overreact to small samples. Hey, guy had an off shooting night, whatever. But it seems to increasingly be on his mind. It's something like he's thinking about, he said uh, last night, yeah, this would be a different series if my shot were, were falling. And, you know, it does seem to be something he gets asked about a lot, something he thinks about. Uh, that makes it harder, I think, to overcome it. But he can contribute in other ways. He is right when he says, you know, he's not James Harden. He's not just a scorer. Uh, he's not a scorer on that level, even at his best. He needs to defend. He needs to do other things. And he's done some of those things at times. But no, when he's shooting like that, it makes it a lot harder for the Clippers. 
So curious whether shooting is easier for Mike Conley now that Bogdanovich isn't there. You don't have to share the ball. You don't have to get other guys involved. You're on the court. Donovan Mitchell is sitting down. If you got a shot, take it. How much does that make things easier? Well, it can go uh, both ways. Like you said, not sharing the ball as much, but you know, maybe you lose a little spacing without Bogdanovich out there if you have for example, Royce O'Neal out there instead. One thing I really think that's working for Mike Conley, besides just, you know, I think is a hot streak, an unsustainable hot streak to some degree. But the other thing is you've seen his pick-and-roll chemistry with Rudy Gobert improve throughout the year. Uh, Mike Conley, a very good pick-and-roll player. Rudy Gobert, a very good pick-and-roll player. They just had to figure each other out where they like to be, when they like to uh, you know, deliver the ball and how and all that. And you see it improve throughout the whole season, and now it's really peaking. That makes it tough on defenders. And they are, you know, to some degree, trying to make sure, hey, they're not going to get the lob to Rudy. Uh, and so that leaves space for Conley. So we saw two guys score 50 in Mitchell and Murray. How much do you think of that is because there's no home and away, they're both in the same arena, that is leading to this individual scoring explosions? Well, that's interesting. I hadn't uh, I hadn't thought about that angle to it. Uh, that, that's interesting. There might be something to that. I mean, I think last night it was just Donovan Mitchell's in such complete command of the offense right now. He's making his shots. He he feels good. He's exploding to the rim. He sees everything that's happening on the court uh, and reacts the right way. Uh, Jamal Murray also had a just very hot shooting game, and it's tough to keep up with. Uh, yeah, maybe there's something to that. That that if it were a a typical game, one of them might have had 54 and the other one 47 maybe that moves them both toward the middle that's uh that's an interesting idea i you know again one of those things where yeah we come up with a narrative after the fact to explain what happened uh but it makes sense at least dan veldman join us he covers the nba for nbc sports and pro basketball talk so you've seen i think 14 playoff games in the west now if i let you re-pick it who's coming out of the west now that you've seen these games Oh, that's tough uh, because the favorites have not looked good. Uh, I've picked the Clippers beforehand, and uh, they have not looked great. Uh, the Lakers are the other popular pick, and uh, they've uh, kind of struggled through. I think I'm sticking with the Clippers, though. You know, They do have that top-end talent. They can get healthier. Uh, they can get in better shape from you know guys who are late to the bubbles. I see that room for improvement. I still think they have the upside, uh, and I still like the Rockets as a wild card pick. Like I thought before, like all the all the things they're doing are why I I thought they were dangerous. And one more thing to the Clippers, like I think the Mavericks were underrated. Uh, they lost some close games that could have gone either way. I like their depth. I think that might matter more in the bubble uh, when teams don't have you know, their top players in the very best shape. I'm not sure if players will be capable of handling the huge minutes like they typically do in a postseason. So I, I think the Mavericks are pretty good. I, I don't panic at the Clippers uh, struggling somewhat in the series. Paul George does have to get right. But I think I'll still go with the Clippers. But I'm at the point now, I'm, I'm taking the field over any single team. Okay, I, I buy that the Mavericks were undervalued to an extent, but if I would have told you that they were playing without Porzingis, how much would you have bet on the Clippers winning that game? Yeah, that's uh, that's the other thing is, yes. Uh, I mean, he, he was uh, so good in the previous game, uh, you know, inside, outside, offensively, defensively, like a real complete game. That is a big loss. Uh, 
but that's part of why I like the Mavericks depth. Uh, not that I would expect them to win without Porzingis, but I just think, hey, they've got a little bit more of a chance than a typical team that's dealing with this kind of stuff. So how much pressure do you think is on a guy who misses a game who's got to come back after that performance? you got to do your thing, but you got to fit in. And they won without you, now you got to make sure they win with you. Yeah, but he's an easy player to fit around because he shoots, he spaces the floor. Like He makes it easy to fit in a lot of ways. And look, he's got some experience doing it. He got ejected earlier in the series and then came back and, and had a – an excellent game. Uh, so, you know, he, he's done that before, uh, and I think he could do that again. So over in the East, I don't know that they're necessarily the best team, but I think the most intriguing storyline for me is Toronto because of Kawhi Leonard leaving and to see if they can still do it. How much you buy them as a legitimate contender to get to the final? Yeah, I've got them in that uh, second tier of, of championship contenders. You know, tier one would be, Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, and then Tier 2, Rockets, Raptors, Celtics. Uh, that might be it. seems like that, though, in that range. Uh, the Raptors are really good. They play hard. They're, they have a bunch of smart players, so they can do some complex things, especially defensively. Nick Nurse is, a, is an excellent coach. My biggest concern for them, though, is when you get into a tight game, deep in the playoffs, late, the pace slows, you need somebody to go score. Last year, I was Kawhi. Like, he did that so well. There's nobody on this team I trust. Pascal Siakam is new to being a go-to player. Like, he's, he's taken great strides. He's looked very good at times, but he's still inefficient. Like, he's still learning how to do it. Uh, Kyle Lowry hasn't really been built for those moments a lot of times. Like, he's got a great all-around game, does, does so many subtle things. It's not exactly what you want him to do. So there's not somebody I, I trust there, but either one of them can make the shot. Fred Van Vliet can make the shot. Like, they got a chance. Well, Dan, continue to steal money watching these guys because this is uh, wildly entertaining and uh, some great individual performances and just enough upsets to put all our all our preconceptions on edge right here. Who who the heck knows? We all make our picks, but yeah, deep down, you can't know as you sit here this morning. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's been fun. Like it's the NBA playoffs. It's uh, you know we spend all this time talking asterisk. Uh, the main argument against an asterisk is it feels normal, and that's fun. Dan, appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Dan Feldman, you can check out his work at uh, NBC Sports and Pro Basketball yeah, Talk. But DJ, man, he didn't even put the Jazz in the second tier, and you didn't call him out. You let him get away with it. Yeah, I don't think most people think they're in the second tier. You think they're Jazz fans right now? Why the freak not? Jazz fans right now, are they in the second tier? Yay or nay? Who's in the second tier? DJ and PK, we'll get to that next. Stay with us. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. It's been a long four months. Welcome back. Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that. But finally, the NBA is back. Back up and hammer. That is filthy, Rudy. Catch every second of every moment of Utah Jazz basketball. As the Jazz resume play from the bubble in Orlando, your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Five on the clock. 
Donovan through the legs. Rise, fire, three, sweet revenge. Talk now, Paul Millsap. Talk now. What do you got to say? That's a three in your grill, Paul. Donovan Mitchell, you are something else. 46 for the kid. Don't talk to me, says Donovan. Don't talk to me. There's a Chevy Strong play of the game right there. Donovan Mitchell stared down by Paul Millsap. Eight seconds later, he's hitting the huge three that put the Jazz up four and gave him control of the game with 54 seconds to go. Know it today. The Big Show, 450. You can win fabulous prizes. He didn't talk to him. <laughs> he didn't. It was just a look. Because he's Paul Millsap. One word out of Paul is like a thousand words out of somebody Mark else. I got that wrong, man. He didn't talk to him. <laughs> Don't All he did was look at him. But he said a lot of words with that look. <laughs> what did he say? Stay on the ground. Don't get back up. You're done. It's like a heavyweight fight. Just stay on the canvas. Okay. If we do this guy sucks this week, are we all just going to pick Paul George? That's a good one, yeah, for sure. And it's, I just uh, Twitter, they got the, you know, the uh, somebody retweets the stats here on this. And he's the first guy since Bob Cousy to shoot under 25% in three straight playoff games. Bob Cousy in 1960. The game's changed a little bit in the last 60 years. Yeah, they couldn't shoot back then. That's where guys were getting 40 rebounds a game because there was way more rebounds to be had. Uh, Doc Rivers, I agree with what Paul George is saying, though, to an extent that, hey, I do more than score. I'm not James Harden. And it's true. He does do more. He's a two-way player. But yet Doc Rivers has got Paul George just standing off to the side there when you knew full well Doncic is going to get the ball. Well, Kawhi Leonard was on him, so that was fine. Okay, but then Kawhi put, Leonard switched off him, and for right, that, I just you don't had understand. Paul George defending somebody, the literally the farthest point away from the ball. Yeah, yeah. The ball with that time. Now there was enough time, was but enough the time likelihood of the shot. ball to get from there way over to the other side of the court with Doncic being on the left side of the court was highly improbable. Come on, Doc, Glenn, let's go. Wake up. And I get that Paul George does more than just score. You know, he had eight rebounds and he had the three assists, but he's getting paid to do more than that, PK. I mean, when you're getting paid that much money, you're supposed to be doing better than three for 14. You know, five for 14 isn't great, but it might have won the game. I understand that, but I'm just talking about one isolated possession with the game on the line, yeah. obviously. And Paul George said it would be a different series if he was shooting the ball better. Uh, clearly it would. The, the, the series probably would be over. Uh, and this is what uh, Paul George is known for, basically gagging with his shot in the postseason. He's done it multiple times. But defensively, you just took him right out of the game there. Uh, so and, and Paul George has got to own it, and I think he has owned it owned it he's gonna have to play better you know I think the two biggest head games in sports are shooting and just golf overall I mean golf is just it's so much mental and I think shooting is mental too you know you look at baseball Tony Gwynn what's the key to hitting see ball see the ball hit the ball (laughs) yeah he had all these theories and he always whenever he went into a slump which for him you know was like one for four but nonetheless when he was in a slump he said go back to the basics 
See the ball, hit the ball. There's and no time to think. Nope. And then football, it's just your natural athletic ability. Maybe the quarterback has some time, and maybe the receiver if the ball's in the air. But everything is so immediate that there's really no time. Well, you look at golf and basketball, uh, there are golf. enough times where heads can get in the way and your mind can screw you up. And I think that's the problem here with Paul George right now. All right, here's what we were just talking about in the last segment. We had Dan Feldman on. He was talking about tiers of title contenders. And you called me out because he didn't put the Jazz in Tier 2 and I didn't say anything. You know why I didn't say anything, PK? Because you're dope. No, because I put him in Tier (laughs) 3. Wait, maybe I put him in Tier 3 because I'm a dope. Maybe both things are true. So here's how I've got it broken down. i got the poll question up. We already have over 100 votes. Where do the Jazz belong in the NBA title discussion? Tier 1, Tier 2, or Tier 3? And we didn't run through every team with Dan Feldman, but I think largely he sees it the way I see it, and I think we both see it the way you see it. I put Tier 1, Lakers, Clippers, Bucks; Tier 2, Houston, Toronto, Boston. Tier 3, Denver, Oklahoma City, Dallas, and Miami. And everybody else is either out or about to be out. There's no way I no, put I the Portland Celtics out, above. I, uh, I put the Celtics on a different plane than the Jazz. No way. Well, they got an easier path in the East, and that's why I, I did. I don't care. I don't care. That you're talking title contender. You're not talking a path to the finals. You're talking title contender. Sure, but I think we've seen that you can you can if you can get to the finals nope. and benefit from injuries, you can win. Looking at you, Toronto. Uh, and if 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 this, so if you can get to the second round, you could benefit from injuries, and if you get to the third round, you could benefit from injuries. Okay. So no, I'm talking on their merit. Who has the best chances to win the title? Not a bunch of ifs. Forget ifs. And there's no way I put the Celtics on well, a tier that is higher than the Jazz. First off, everybody's got a bunch of ifs. I don't think there's anything clear-cut happening right now. And whether that's oh, the, un- no. the unusual nature of the year or the bubble or... No, no. Your, your ifs go... The, the ifs that the other teams have are involving players if they play well, not if the other team gets injured. So there's different tiers of ifs. Okay, but I think the Jazz have to go on Tier 3 because they engineered a matchup to avoid somebody and get somebody. And I think they did it on purpose, and I think I get why they did it, and I think they were right in their assessment, but I can't put them on the same tier as Houston. If you want me to move Boston down a tier or move Toronto down a tier, that's a good debate, but I just don't think you can put the Jazz on the same tier as Houston when Houston's knocked them out two years in a row and the Jazz didn't want to face Houston in the first round, they wanted to face Denver. Well, I don't think you could put the Celtics on the same tier as the Rockets then either. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's not the same player, so I don't give a crap that what happened does, two years ago. That does seem to be clear. You may worry about it, but not me. I'm looking ahead, man. Right now, The past see- is over. The future is ahead. The present is now. That's why it's a gift. <laughs> nice. You could write a book, and then you could do speeches. Uh, right now, 63%. We've got 146 votes. They're streaming in. 63% of the people have the Jazz on Tier 2 with Houston, Toronto, and Boston. 31% have them on Tier 3 with Denver, OKC, Dallas, and Miami. Only 6% of the people are putting the Jazz up on the top tier with the Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks. Okay, I'm not saying put them on the top right. tier. You got them on 2, I got them on 3. How the heck could you put Denver on the same tier as the Jazz? It doesn't make any sense. Hit us up on Twitter right now. David DJ James. More of this coming up. Also, what do you think of the series now that it's 3-1? We will get to that next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.